0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dirk Van Rienen. And we're going to talk about how he has created the Berg Flow and how he helps businesses grow faster with higher profits, and more time freedom that really allows leaders to build better teams. Before we begin, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you're a podcaster, YouTuber, or content creator that wants to multipurpose that content into content that tactically delivers, Head over to nightly.productions to find out how we can help you. Dirk, welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Hey, Zach. Appreciate it, man. Really excited to be here with you today.
0: Man, I'm super excited because just looking at your background, your bio, a lot of the amazing things that you've accomplished, you're definitely that high-end individual that we love having on the show. And I want to give the audience the opportunity to know a little bit about your background before we dive into it, where you're the founder and CEO of Bergflow, where you focus On special and specialize in helping small, medium-sized businesses build better teams. You're an award-winning entrepreneur, international consultant, trainer, and former CEO of an 800 million a year sales organization. Huge numbers there. Um, Today, you work with ordinary companies to help them become extraordinary by hiring the right people and teaching them how to work together as a true team. Before we unpack all of that, tell us a fun fact that we may not know about you.
1: Yeah, we we chatted about this a little bit earlier, um, but I'm actually originally from South Africa. I was born and raised there, Um, actually 15th generation South African. So, you know, the the interesting thing is uh, living in South Africa and living in Texas are actually not that different. So I adjusted well to being in Texas, but yeah, originally from South Africa,
0: which is super fascinating to think about. You said you came over when you were 15, 13, yeah, 13. So you came over pretty young in those really developmental years. Um, I imagine there is maybe not a total culture shock, but there's got to be some differences here in the States, especially Texas, where everything's bigger, so they say, um, compared to something in South Africa, where maybe there's been a transition phase for you in those instrumental
1: years. You know, the, I think uh, the interesting thing is, um, one thing I've learned about myself as an adult is that I'm I'm really very uh, adaptive to different type of environments. Uh, uh, change is very uh, easy for me. Uh, it comes naturally. I, I actually look for change. And it's part of really the my behavioral profile. But uh, yeah, I mean, we actually moved to a really small town in Texas, kind of a, a cowboy agricultural type town. And that was a little bit of a culture shock from where I came from in South Africa. I actually had 280 kids in my class in South Africa. And by the time I, I, I went to high school in Kroll, Texas, uh, as a freshman in high school there. I had 26 kids in my class, and I think graduated with 24. So that was a that was a culture shock going to a really small Texas town. Uh, but other than that, I mean, uh, people were you know amazing people, very welcoming, and um, you know it was it was great for our family to adapt to that.
0: Man, that sounds exciting, especially that small of a town. I, I can't imagine that that being a definitely a, a shock in the wild west out there where you are. And those, uh, and we mentioned, uh, we talked about. It, I was just in Texas for the first time. It's definitely a, a different world out there than a lot of the United States. And I love that you talk about being adaptive and and really being adaptable to different environments in that transition. Where it seems like as a leader and in building teams, that would really be a key characteristic for what's needed as you develop, especially here in the COVID world where, you know, there have been so many changes among organizations and teams. Would you say that'd be like the key characteristic that a leader needs to have to really be impactful or is there something else that you really hone in on?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the single most important thing that a leader needs to understand to be able to build a great team is they have to know themselves at a deep level, and they have to be able to know their team and understand their team at a, at a deep level. Uh, we find that leaders that skip those two steps, and you know, a lot of people that are, are driven. I mean, Zach, my guess is maybe you're a really driven. People, a person, you you probably talk to other people that are very driven, that want to grow, that want to build businesses, they want to kind of go conquer the world, but. The challenge is uh, what we see over and over again is leaders that really want to go conquer the world without getting to really know their people end up uh, going too fast, and then they end up going alone at some, at some level, right? The the organization fails, they lose their key people, they they tend to hire people that don't stick around. So for us, um, you know, our, our philosophy is that you have to be change ready. And I mean, really our, our core programming workflow is called Pivot Ready Teams based on teams that are, that are highly adaptable, that uh, can function really well in stressful environments. However, the key thing to even be able to, to build a team that can do that is that you have to really be able to understand yourself and the people around you. And I
0: I think that's huge. And I think self-mastery, that's, that's a big topic. I love talking about um, where not just knowing yourself, but like leading yourself before you can effectively and efficiently lead others is so important. Is that something that you really do in a group environment among this team building? Is there like an exercise that you do with people to kind of get them to be more aware of who they are?
1: Yeah, we've we've built a whole process around how to get to know people. And we we actually train companies on how to run this process when they're hiring people. And we also train companies on how to run this process with their existing people, whether, you know, you've got a young team that's maybe two, three, four, five years old, or you've got a more veteran team that's five to 25 years old. But we we often find even in companies that have been around for 10, 15, 20 years, when we really start talking to the owners and or executive team members of that team and we start asking them questions about the people that they lead, we don't get too many layers deep before that leader says i don't know i don't know I, I don't know that we've never talked about that and so that's where it's it's about really understanding who this person is and understanding how can you create alignment between the the leader the organization and the person that they are leading and you know the the whole thing about top-down leadership, tell people what to do. I mean that that model is dead. It's been dead for twenty years. It's just taken a while for people to realize it's dead. But um, the new model is about finding people that are in alignment and going out and conquering together. You know, and, and I, I listened to a John Maxwell podcast not too long ago, where you know the, the word leader and leadership and this whole leadership movement, you know, really started becoming prevalent in the the seventies and eighties, but really, if you look at kind of the timeline of even the word leadership and really leadership courses and leadership development, it wasn't really until the mid 2000s, where that really sort of taken off more and after 2010. But John Maxwell said, look, today, we're not in the leadership environment anymore, we're in the team environment. And that's an important distinction to understand, because being a strong leader and being a great team leader are, are I think, sometimes a little bit different. And what we find is the organizations that are growing at the fastest rate today and the organizations that are adapting to change at the highest level are organizations that have collaborative-based teams. And that's really a different leadership style to have a collaborative-based team versus a group of people that you tell what to do. So I think for us, uh, that's where the focus comes in. And like I said, we've, we've built a process that goes really deep into assessing people From a human data side, you know, and and if we look at the world today, the the world is driven by data, you know, just about anything that you're looking to get into the research, I mean, big, big data, like uh, machine learning, everything is based on having more data points today than we've ever had and then understanding that. But when it comes to people, especially people in the workplace, uh, we've like operated in a very archaic way. Even today, there's a lot of people that they they hire people that they don't really know. They don't understand. They don't understand really what the, what the right job profile is or how you can really hire the right person for the right position with the right motivation to help them succeed. So we look at um, assessing somebody's hard wiring, cognitive agility, and emotional intelligence. And those are the three things that really help us get data points on people. And then we teach people how to, through conversations, how to dig in and get the rest of the information that you need from somebody to find out how you can really understand if they're the right person for your organization and understand what they really want and how you can help them win. I think all the points you just made
0: are super key to cultivating an environment of winning in an environment of success and one thing that i find really fascinating that you hit on was the top down leadership being really a killer of companies where it's not not really the environment where people, and maybe it's that there's younger people that don't thrive in that environment, but me being in the military, like that's, that's where I I was brought up on, right? Is that top down, go do this. And as of now, as a business owner, I've seen in so many different ways that is not effective. Why do you think that's such a a killer of companies and why should we shift away from that mindset?
1: Well, I think the the first thing is, and and here's something important to kind of share. Uh, It's something that, that I learned in, 2016, and it's, it's one of the reasons that I actually resigned from my CEO position of running a really large organization with uh, 500 salespeople. But um, around 2016, there was a lot of research done on um, the human ability to adapt to change and the actual rate of change in the world. So think about this, that a, that a human being has a, a static ability to adapt to change, like um, Some people can adapt to change better than others can. And yet there's still a static, uh, adaption to change right now. If, if the rate of change doesn't get close to your ability to adapt to change, you've got no issues, right? You can handle everything that's happening around you, all the changes that are happening, but the moment that the rate of change in the world exceeds the human ability to adapt to that change, then the whole game changes. So that happened in 2016 in 2016 the rate of change in the world started to exceed the human ability to adapt to change now what is what does that mean that means all of a sudden as a human being you start feeling lost you start feeling that there's something in the going on that you can't you can't quite put your pulse on it right and obviously covid has accelerated all that but even before that i mean in 2018 2019 when when i speak to people and we would do trainings I would ask people, how many of you feel like something has shifted in the world, but you can't quite put your finger on it? Like, but you the internal, like your internal, your organism, mechanism, whatever you want to call it, like something is telling you that something's changed in the world. And, and it's exactly that. So when when we look at the way that things have been done in the past, top-down leadership can work because that top leader can kind of decipher how fast things are changing. And through their experience, they can tell everybody what to do today i don't care who you are as a leader the world is changing too fast around you for for you to be able to figure out all the changes that are happening and tell people what to do so what we're already seeing is that organizations that are really heavy in top down leadership that have that that business owner and again we work with, with small and medium sized businesses so i can't speak with like for large companies right most of our clients have anywhere from you know 10 people in their organization to around 80 to 100 people like that's really kind of the sweet spot but I can tell you for a lot of those leaders, we um, work with a lot of companies that have 15 to 30, 40 people. And some of these companies have been around for 20 years. And you've got these leaders that they've got a lot of ego still. They they want to be able to tell people what to do. And yet they are being crushed right now. Like the pressure that's happening around them of understanding what to do, how to navigate, how to take action, how to make decisions. They're being crushed right now. So this is something that when we start working with an organization, we very quickly determine are we working with a leader that's going to be open to collaborative based leadership and, and one of the first things we have to look at is is this leader somebody that can let go of their ego and realize like they're just simply not the smartest person in the room there's other people that, that are smarter than them that are better than them and a lot of things and um, usually we either tend to work with people that already have that that type of outlook, or we find people that are in such a place of pain because of their business hitting walls at two, three, four, ten million three, four, $10 million year in, in revenue, that they come to us and they say, I need help. So I think it's about that leader being able to recognize, okay, I need help, and I don't have all the answers. And that's something that for me personally has taken a massive level of pressure off of my shoulders as a leader in running multiple businesses. That I don't have to have all the answers, right? My job at the at the highest level, as as an entrepreneur, as a as a leader, as a CEO, um, as a as a consultant and coach to others, is I need to be able to find the right people that are self motivated, and cr- help them develop, and and unlock opportunity for them. That's my job, and that's where you know we talked a little bit before we started recording about. Um, Hiring people and and getting the right people for the right positions. Because one thing I've learned is if I don't have the right people around me, I am a terrible, terrible leader. I I don't care how much I learn and study and want to be better and want to be a great leader, I ultimately completely and miserably fail if I don't have the right people around me. The truth is, even if I have really great people around me, the only reason we're succeeding is because I have really great people around me. It's not because I'm a really phenomenal leader. So I think the only thing that we can do and the only thing that we can help other companies do is to realize that look the the whole is always better than than any singular part of the whole right the, that's where even way back napoleon hill talks about the 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 mastermind concept like bringing a, a a council of people around you and people tend to think of this as like oh i need to go out and have coaches and mentors what we're saying is turn that into the people that work for you Turn the people that work for you into an intelligent mastermind. Learn how to bring out their innate genius into the work world and value them, listen to them. So there's a whole process for how to take a team from really kind of being a a top-down, maybe more group-oriented where people are just told what to do to be in a collaborative team But one thing that we are absolutely seeing is the companies that are starting to run uh, collaborative team models are starting to massively outpace their competition because they're building a better team.
0: And I love that you brought up that mastermind concept. Um, It's something that I've been in a ton of them. I I run a couple of them. uh, And I, I can't tell you the amount of growth. It's funny how many people here in Atlanta, I've run one that's just local to Atlanta, and a lot of people in my network had never heard of what a mastermind was. They had never read Napoleon Hill's book and didn't understand the counsel. I love that you said council of people. And um, one of the things that I explained to him as I'm selling this program, it's Steve Jobs. One thing he said way back was he was never the smartest person in the room. He just always hired the smartest person in the room. And it puts it such a great pers- perspective for so these small business folks that don't really understand that and didn't understand what getting a council of people together really is. So, how do you go about? I know that's a big piece that you really help. Is like, how do you really truly find the right people to build around you in your
1: business? So, I think one of the biggest things that you have to look at as a leader uh, before you start just hiring people is you really have to understand what you're trying to accomplish. And we see that um, sometimes you have a position and you kind of have some kind of an idea of what this position looks like. And and what I'm talking about is, is how it happens in real life, not like the perfect way of doing it, right? Typically, what we see the way it actually happens in real life is you as a business leader, you need a higher position. So you put an ad on LinkedIn or Indeed or ZipRecruiter or something like that and you get a bunch of candidates and now you're going through and you end up hiring somebody. But the, the core function here to start with is to say, look, if I'm going to hire somebody, first off, do I have the right structure in my company? And we specialize in working with service based companies and we've developed something that we call the SOG model. And it's based on services, operations and growth. And we say, look, even if you wanna build a really strong substantial, vibrant uh, service company, you need three divisions, your service division, your growth division um, and your operations division, which means that you need to go find three key leaders. And when you start looking at the hiring, you gotta figure out, okay, if I'm gonna hire somebody which division are they going to go into and what's the right profile that we need. So we focus on building smart profiles for, uh, for jobs. And that means that I'm not just going to go out and hire somebody. I'm going to go out and hire the right person because here's, here's what happens, right? Is you hire somebody and they show up to the interview and you maybe interview them once, twice, maybe three times. I think on average, you know, when we talk to people, they say they typically interview people twice. They look at the resume you know, kind of go through some half-baked process and then they hire somebody. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe three months or three weeks into the process, you all of a sudden find out that, hey, there's there's some big gaps that are showing up within this, this individual. Now, you may have hired a really great person, but you put them in the wrong position. And what happens is they become behaviorally stressed or they're becoming cognitively stressed because of the position they're in. The moment that they start, being in an environment where they're being stressed constantly, then they're going to start showing up differently. So for us, it's really important to understand if, if, first off, if if I hire somebody, are they a behavioral match for the position that they're going into? And there's a ton of different assessments out there that people use. A lot of people use, um, you know, personality assessments, behavioral assessments, things like that. We actually dive into what we call innate wiring, and what we have found is that innate wiring uh, creates a derivative called behavior and behavior creates a derivative called personality. So if you're using a personality assessment, what you're doing is kind of getting a th- uh, kind of like the third tier derivative of what's really the core of, of a person. So uh, personality can shift very quickly in between different situations. Behavior can even shift based on what's happening and how much pressure there is. Innate wiring is kind of what's what's truly there. So that's what we look at. And we also look at something called cognitive agility, which means how much information can somebody take in and how much information can they ongoingly process? And you know, we always hear like, hire the smartest people. And for certain positions, you want to hire the smartest positions, uh, smartest people. For other positions, you don't necessarily want to hire the smartest people because if people have uh, a really high cognitive agility score, they are going to need to be mentally stimulated at a high level constantly. They're going to get bored very quickly. They're going to learn their job very quickly, and then they're going to get bored. And if if there's no stimulation, then they're going to find it other places, which then detracts from them doing their job. They come distracted and they end up being low performers. And then you know, the third thing we look at is emotional intelligence, which uh, in 2020, HR magazine said that emotional intelligence was the single most important factor in the workplace today. So when we look at all of this, we can start understanding just based on the data points within a human, are they a fit for the position? Now, after that, let's say all of those things are fit. There's still not a guarantee that I got the right person. Now I got to dig in and actually find out, okay, Zach, are you the right guy? And the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to have some in-depth conversations with you and not rush those conversations. So I may say, hey, Zach, we're going to meet four or five times. And each time we're going to meet for an hour to three hours. Now, most people that hear this right now, they're like, okay, there's no way I'm spending that much time before I hire somebody. I just need to get somebody in here. And what I would tell that person is that you've got no idea what the cost of a bad hire is you've got no clue how expensive it is to hire the wrong people because it's not just the money that you pay them. It's typically the money that you've paid them anywhere at a minimum times three, all the way up to times 10, right? So it's three to 10X their salary typically when you you hire a bad hire. And when you learn how to find people that are in alignment with you, and that's the word, is in alignment with who you are in alignment with the values of the company, in alignment with the mission and vision of the company, and in alignment with the opportunities of the company, then you start hiring people that are going to be there as part of unlocking the future opportunities of the company. For me, uh, we, we own three different companies. And why would I ever want to hire somebody that's not coming to work every day to be a part of a team that's going to be unlocking opportunity for them to have a better life? Because if I hire anything else than that, then I'm going to have to babysit that person. I'm going to have to micromanage that person. And I don't know about you, but that just makes me feel tired just thinking about it. So I think for for people, for, for leaders to realize that, look, if I spend a little bit more time with people up front, I can get exponentially more return you know, out of that person on the long uh, long run. And we use a couple of things. Uh, there's three particular exercises that we do with people that I feel is very important. Number one is we do something called the life story. And when we hire somebody, we'll sit down with them. And and for for two hours, we'll just say, Zach, I want to get to know you through your journey. I want to, you know, let's start when you were five or six years old, man. Like, what do you remember about life back then? You know, tell me about your family, you know, and just get to know them. And, And of course, like you should always follow, like be EEOC compliant when you're hiring people. But like at the same time, like our viewpoint is like, don't be so into compliance that you don't actually get to know the human being that you're about to hire. They're a person. They're not a cog in a machine. Get to know them. Get to know who they are. What are what are those highs and lows of their lives? What are their wins and challenges they've had? What's important to them? And the next thing we do is after the life story, we go through a thought process interview where we really want to understand how do they think? If this type of scenario came up in the work environment, how would they handle it? How would they make this decision? Why would they make it like that? And we really start understanding, you know, how they're going to fit into our team based on the decisions they make. And then the last uh, exercise we do with them is called the future pacing exercise, where we really kind of set up an exercise where we go very deep with them about what they want to see happen in their life in the next five years. And this is not a, hey, tell me a few of your goals and it's a five minute conversation. I mean, this is a two hour exercise where if somebody says, you know, oh, I wanna I wanna make a hundred thousand dollars. Like, okay, awesome. What what about that is important to you, right? When you have a hundred thousand dollars, what's gonna change your life? Why is that important to you? How does that make you feel? You know, tell me about your family. I mean, we're we want to find out if I hire somebody and I put them on the path to win, what does that look like for them? Because that's what creates alignment. So by the time we hire somebody, then we know really that um, behaviorally, cognitively, and through emotional intelligence, that they're the right fit. And then we also know based on their, their life story. And the, and the important thing about life story is it, it allows us to spot patterns in people's lives because uh, patterns will repeat themselves, right? A zebra doesn't change its stripes. So if we see a pattern of job jumping, we know that they're going to job jump with us. When we're talking to somebody and they talk about their previous boss and, and say like, oh, that boss was a jerk. You know, they always did this, they did this. And then we talked about the next boss and like, oh, well, that boss was also a jerk. They did this. And then we talked about the next boss. You know, when they talk, when they're on the next interview, I'm going to be the next jerk that they're talking about, right? So we want to understand, are they team players? Are they collab? Like, do they display the core attributes of a team player, of somebody that's willing to not just want to be that solo superstar on a team, but really want to work with the team, help the team win? Are they in alignment with what we can do? And when we put all of that together with the right profile, what we see is we we hire people and we can actually train them faster than you would train anybody else. They're going to take more ownership in that role than anywhere else. And you're going to see higher levels of performance out of them than you would ordinarily. And that's what we are about. We're about getting to know people at a deep level and helping them win. And I absolutely love that because one of the big pieces that you really highlight through that
0: process is faster growth, higher profitability and more time freedom. So by creating a process and then I was literally going to ask, as you were answering it, um, the best questions to ask during hiring, like you're, you're creating this more time freedom, which is what we all want, but it's by creating an environment of con- conversation during the hiring process, not the tell me your strengths and weaknesses
1: canned question that everybody wants to ask. Right. That's exactly it. I mean, here's the thing. Are you going to want to absolutely bring your best to somewhere if you don't believe that that the person that hired you actually cares about you? Are you really going to want to bring your A game to the team if you think like they don't care about the future, your future, your family's future? No. And I mean, here's the thing is like, you know, I meet companies all the time. They're, they're always talking about their technology or they're talking about their process or their system or their marketing plan. And, and I'm like, you've already lost. If as a company owner, if you don't lead with like, we're going to win because we have the best people and the best team, you've already lost the game. We've got a saying in our world that the companies with the best teams are going to win period. Technology is going to change. Process is going to change. Products are going to change. All that kind of stuff is going to change. The companies with the best teams are going to win. So it's about getting to, it's about relational, right? And I think like that's what changed in my world. Um, I've always been a really driven person, but For many years dude, I was failing at business, I was in financial distress from losing a business. I wasn't able to move things forward. I was working seven days a week, like 12, 14, 16 hours a day. And it wasn't until I was about 31 years old that I really discovered for the first time that if I truly can get to know other people, if I can get to truly understand who they are and how to help them win and how to to put them in a position that, they, that they're suited for. And then for me, I mean, that's been nine years ago that I've been doing this work. It's about a process for me, like get out of the way. Like get get my ego out of the way, get my ideas out of the way hire them and and learn what their ideas are, learn how to collaborate with them, learn how to bring the best of that, like learn how to bring their voice and their genius into it. And and me and my ego step out of the way. That's an ongoing process for me. As that process has unfolded, we've become, I mean, substantially more successful in, in every kind of measurable way, right? Not just money, but the quality of life, the the level of relationships. I mean, like now we become really good friends with a lot of our clients that we work with. Um, I love, one of my favorite things to do is actually work with my own team. Like that's one of the blessings of my life is the people that I get to work with every day. And they know that I'm a very screwed up person. I'm a very flawed person. You know, I'm very driven, and I've got ideas, and I got a big vision, and I want to achieve things. But at the same time, man, like I'm messed up in a lot of ways. And we have the grace for each other to understand how can we support each other, how can we work together, and that's what's created this like special envi- environment of collaboration. It's, it doesn't matter if if you're the CEO or the janitor; like you, you have value to bring, and. You know that's what we want to truly help companies unlock within their people is to understand that you've got incredible people working with you, and everybody has what we call innate genius. Everybody, there's that one thing or there's that one or two things that they do better than anybody else. Like find out what that is and bring that to the light.
0: Derek, I I absolutely love that man. I think that's huge and definitely things we're going to unpack on the Tactical Friday piece, but. Um, before we, we let you go for today, man, I love that you're on this mission. Obviously, it's a great passion for you. What I'd love to know is through these works, through everything you're doing with Bergflow, what's the legacy you're wanting to leave on the world?
1: Yeah, I mean, when, you know, when we started Bergflow, uh, we launched the company in, in January of 2017. And for me, I found a path out of that place from being a, an entrepreneur and a business owner where my business owned me. I didn't own my business. I thought I owned my business. I could say I'm a business owner, but that wasn't true. My business owned me. It, it owned my mind, my emotions, my soul, my money, everything. And, you know, I was trapped in my own business. My my family paid, paid the price. Uh, my wife and I's marriage paid the price. I mean, at one point, you know, we almost split up and luckily, you know, uh, we were able to stay together, but I know what it's like to be trapped by your business. And I found a way out of that. And I decided, man, like, I want to help other people do the same and teach people help people understand how to create the environments that it's not just about the business owners succeeding it's about the people in the business succeeding and when they're succeeding at a higher level and they're more energized about the work they do day in and day out they're going to go home and they're going to be a better spouse they're going to go home and be a better parent a better friend a better neighbor whatever that looks like and when we started Workflow, we said, look, we want to, like, my vision was to create a company that's going to impact 25 million lives on this planet. And it's not because we were going to touch every one of them. You know, I could work with a company and they're going to be the next company that goes out and touches, you know, a million lives. But every company has the ability that with, if, if that leader can get this, if they can understand that they have the ability to truly impact the people that work for them. Those people have families. Those people have friends. Those people, you know, they they lead other people. And that it creates a wave of people looking at work differently. That it's not just about going to work and doing things that, that don't fulfill you. It's about finding a place that honors who you are, the strengths that you have to bring, your innate genius, and working with people that actually care about you. And that's what we want to do. Like, that's that's if, if there could be anything, like, that would be our legacy, that workflow changes lives through how people work together. And that's
0: a huge mission and, and definitely a huge impact that you're creating in the world, man. I absolutely love that and respect the heck out of it. And I want to give the audience an opportunity. What is the best way to reach out,
1: connect, find more of your
0: content and end up working with you?
1: Yeah, I mean, we would just say go to Bergflow.com. It's B-E-R-G, Berg, like Iceberg, flow.com. And that's really the best place to... uh to uh, kind of connect with us. Like I'm, I'm pretty inconsistent with social media or any of that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, and we we really just dive deep into the work that we do. So uh, from Bergflow, you can learn a little bit more about us and, and reach us from there. I love it, Dirk. So thank you so much for your
0: time and the wisdom you've brought to us today. And I encourage everybody to go check out Bergflow. And then of course, come back this Friday for the tactics on Tactical Friday that Dirk's going to bring to us. Thanks again for your time, my friend. Absolutely, Zach. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast. And I hope you got a ton of value out of what we talked about today. I also want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Night Protection Services. If you're a leader in a small to mid-sized business that does 5 to $10 million a year in revenue and want to improve retention costs, which could actually add up to being twice your employee's salary, all through creating a safer work environment and saving up to 25% in insurance costs, be sure to visit NightProtectionLLC.com.